Today I'm continuing to teach on how to become a water walker. And this is a brand new teaching that I have out. I have a brand new book on this. Never had this book out before. We've got a study guide that goes along with it. Got brand new CDs and DVDs to go along with it. We've already covered a lot of really good material. I'm taking this from Matthew chapter 14. This is where Jesus came walking on the water to go to his disciples. And I've already made some points. Let me just real quickly mention this, but you have to position yourself for a miracle. Many people are praying for a miracle, but they're out of position. What I mean by that is that the Lord constrained his disciples to get into a ship. In other words, there was resistance on their part, but they submitted unto him and they followed his direction. If you want to see the consistent intervention of God in your life, you need to follow him and do what he told you to do. That's huge. And there are so many people that aren't seeing miracles because they're out of position. You aren't doing what God told you to do. You are in the mess that you're in because of your own devices, not because God uh, commanded you to do something and Satan is fighting against you. So you really do have to position yourself for a miracle. <clears throat> and we dealt with a lot of things. I was talking about how that the Lord appeared and said, Be of good cheer, it is I, be not afraid. And he just came walking on top of the very thing that was about to kill them. The Lord is not overwhelmed by your problems at all. And it says in, in Mark chapter 6 in this same story, it says he made as though he would have passed by them. In other words, he came out there definitely to help them. But they had to reach out. They had to make some kind of a demand upon God. And that demand is faith. That's why the Lord told them to be of good cheer. Don't be afraid. If all he wanted to do was to have them be of good cheer and be not afraid, he could have stilled the storm, have got them out of their problem, and then they would have been of good cheer and they wouldn't have been afraid. But why did he tell them to do this before the problem was solved? Because he has to have something to work with. You have to operate in faith. Ephesians 3.20 says that God is able to do exceeding abundantly above all we ask or think according to the power that works in us. The word according to means to the proportion of or in, the, in degree of. It's according to the power that's working in us. If there's no power working in you, you can stop God's supernatural, miraculous intervention in your life. Boy, now that is a powerful, powerful truth. And most people just, they don't understand that. They think God's God. If He, he could do whatever He wants to. Well, he's done what he wanted to. And he said in like James 4, 7, Submit yourselves therefore unto God. Resist the devil and he will flee from you. You have to resist the devil and the devil will flee from you. It's God's power, but it's in you. And until you resist, that power isn't released. And many people are just wondering, why did God let this happen? Why did God let this person die? Why did God let these things happen? I just heard a TV program recently where somebody was mad at God because of something happening. And, and they just assume that God can, he could change this. He could do whatever he wanted to. No, God is limited to the power that works in us. He told his disciples, you go heal the sick. You cleanse the lepers. You raise the dead. And in giving us that authority, he limited his authority. 
He works through us. And if God's people are not walking in the supernatural power of God, that limits what God can do. God is not going to heal you sovereignly, supernaturally, outside of the faith of some person. And you can't always count on that there's somebody else there to help you. Ultimately, the best thing is for you to learn how to believe and you how to receive. But we're all in varying degrees of growth. And so sometimes we need somebody to come along and help us. And there's multiple ways God can get this done. But somebody, you or somebody else or a combination of the two, has to be believing God. And that's why he told them to be of good cheer. Don't be afraid before the situation changed. While they were still in this terrible, life-threatening situation, he told them to be a good cheer. Did you know that today, uh, with our modern-day enlightenment, Christians would criticize Jesus for this and say, this is unreasonable. You aren't understanding where they're coming from. You aren't compassionate. You are in denial. You need to acknowledge that you've got a problem. You need to get down there and be as discouraged and depressed and let these people know that you feel for them. Jesus came out there and instead of saying, guys, I'm sorry, it's my fault. I'm the one that told you to get out there. I should have seen this coming. It's on me, my bad. Instead of any of these kind of things, Jesus came out and told them to be of good cheer and don't be afraid because they needed to respond in faith. You need to respond in faith. I don't care what you're going through. Jesus has an answer for it. Jesus can solve your problems in a heartbeat, but you have to exert some faith. Man, that's a powerful word. And then look, it says in the next verse, this is in Matthew chapter 14, verse 28, Peter answered him and said, Lord, if it be thou, bid me come unto thee on the water. You know, here's another thing that I learned from this. <clears throat> And that is that we often pray stupid prayers. <laughs> this was really a stupid prayer. I, I know somebody may think, well, why, why are you saying that? Because he says, if it be you, bid me come unto you on the water. What was Jesus going to say? It was him. And so what was he going to say? The way Peter prayed this prayer, it was, Lord, if that's really you, then bid me come. He didn't say, Lord, am I up to this? Is my faith able to do this? Can I complete this? Is this something you want me to do? If he'd have asked any of those questions, it's possible that the Lord may have told him, Peter, you just stay in the boat and I'll come to you. And it's possible that things might have worked out differently. We know that later in this story, Peter walked on water for a brief period of time, but he didn't make it all the way to Jesus and he took his eyes off Jesus and began to sink. And so uh, if Jesus hadn't have been there, this could have been, uh, you know, the end of Peter. It could have been a life-threatening thing. Uh, I'm not certain that it was God's will for Peter to walk on water. Did you know that in Scripture, no person <coughs> ever walked on water except Jesus and Peter right here. Now, Jesus had a purpose in walking on the water, and that was to come out and save his disciples in this life-threatening situation. But there really was no purpose for Peter to walk on the water than other just to say that he wanted to do it. That's not to say that it was wrong. But I, if he had asked this question, if he had prayed a prayer differently and said, Lord, do you want me to come? The Lord might have said, no, Peter, you stay there. I'll come to you. If he had said, Lord, is my faith up to this? The Lord might have said, well, partially. 
There's, there could have been multiple responses, but the way he prayed was, Lord, if it be thou, bid me come unto you on the water. And sometimes we don't give the Lord options. You know, I remember when I was still in the Baptist church and I was getting hold of the Word of God, I was beginning to realize that although I appreciate what I learned in the Baptist church, I am not against them at all. I got born again and I got a good foundation They used to always say that if you find anything closer to the Bible than the Baptist church, join it. So I did. Amen. And I appreciate my background. I'm not upset or mad at the Baptist or anything like that. But I began to start getting revelation of the word and I was being criticized and told this can't be right. And so there was a conflict. And for a couple of years, I stayed in this Baptist church because of the way I prayed. I would say, Lord... Do you want me to leave the Baptist church and just forsake these people? Don't you love the Baptist? Don't you care about the Baptist? Don't you want them to come into the revelation of these truths that you've been showing me? And that's the way that I prayed. Now, how's God going to answer a prayer like that? See, if you, if you pray, God, do you want me to leave because you just don't love the Baptist? You don't care about them? You don't want somebody to reach them? How's God going to answer a prayer like that? The only option I gave him was either leave because you don't love the Baptist. If you do love the Baptist, then I've got to stay. And see, with the, with the way I was praying for two years, I prayed about it. And I felt like the Lord saying, just stay put. But finally, one day, it got so bad. I was sitting in church and everything that God was teaching me was being countered. They were preaching condemnation and all this stuff. And it got so bad that I had to literally put my finger on the scripture that says, he that speaks in an unknown tongue edifies himself. And I just sat in the pew speaking in tongues under my breath to try and keep myself above water and edified. And when I got out of that service, I said, Lord, can I leave the Baptist church? And when I finally asked it that way, it was yes. And God led me to leave. And it's not because I've forsaken the Baptist. I am reaching hundreds of thousands, maybe millions of people who are in the Baptist church now. I'm reaching more Baptists than I've ever reached. You know, sometimes it's like when you pull off the road or slide off the road and you get stuck in the mud and you want to help somebody. The best thing to do isn't to pull off and get stuck with them. It's go on and get help and come back and pull them out. And in a sense, that's what God led me to do. Rather than just stay in that church and get stuck with all of these people, God led me to go on and now I've gotten some truth. I've grown. I've come back. I'm ministering to people and I'm seeing thousands and thousands of Baptists minister to. But anyway, I use that as an illustration that, see, it was the way I was praying. God, don't you love the Baptists? Do you want me to leave them and just leave them on their own without the revelation that you're showing me? Well, no, that's not what God wanted me to do. But the way I was praying, I left the Lord no options. Peter did that same thing. He says, Lord, if it's you, bid me come unto you on the water. Well, it was him. And so the Lord said, come. And you know, here's another lesson. And that is that if you pray for something hard enough, God may let you do it, but that doesn't mean that it was necessarily his will for you to do it. Now, that's an important statement right there. The Lord has left a lot of things up to our discretion. 
He doesn't force us to do things. God has a plan for our life, a perfect plan for our life, but He doesn't force that plan upon us. He will woo you, He will draw you, but He does not force you to do anything. Some people who teach in the sovereignty of God believe that God controls everything and like a chess piece, He just moves you around and makes all of the tragedy and different things. I disagree with that. I believe that is not what the Bible teaches. God has given us huge latitude in our choices and we choose things. And if you pray for something, God will let you have things that may not be His perfect will for you. So it's important how you pray. I think that it might have been good for Peter to have said, Lord, do you want me to come unto you on the water? Is this your will for me? He might have gotten different results. But he said, if it's you, bid me come unto you on the water. And the Lord said, come, because it was him. He left him no option. Since it was him, he said, come. And boy, this is powerful. Jesus said one word. In the English language, the word come is only four letters And yet there was enough power and anointing, supernatural ability in that one word for Peter to get out of that boat and start walking on the water. Now that's powerful to me. You know, God created the heavens and the earth by words. There's many places. Hebrews chapter 11 verse 3 says, By faith we understand that the worlds were framed by the word of God. Over in the book of Genesis, God said, let there be light. God said, let there be dry land. God said all of these things. And everything physical that we can see in the universe was created by words. Words are powerful. They are much, much, much more powerful than what most of us have ever thought. And because of that, we use our words in a negative way that actually fight against us. We're hung by our tongue often because of the words that we say. Proverbs eighteen twenty one: death and life are in the power of the tongue and they that love it shall eat the fruit thereof. So our words are powerful. And when Jesus said, come, one word in the English language, four letters is enough to walk on top of water, not frozen water, not something that could be done in the natural realm, But this was on a raging sea where the waves were going up and down and Peter was able to walk on top of water because of the power that was in one word, come. You know what that does for me? That tells me the power of God's word. And man, God has given me lots of words. God has spoken to me through his scriptures. He's spoken to me personally and he speaks things into my heart but it all centers around Scripture. It's all validated and verified by Scripture. And I have taken Scripture and it has just revolutionized my life. You know, recently I taught from a new book that I've got out entitled Don't Limit God. And on January the 31st, 2002, the Lord spoke to me through Psalm 78, 41, where it says in their hearts they turned back and limited the Holy One of Israel. And God told me, uh, based on that scripture, that I had limited what He could do in my life because of my small thinking. And I took that one word that God gave me and I made a decision that I am going to take the limits off God. I'm going to start believing big. 
And I tell you, it has transformed my life and ministry. And it's not just that one instance. I could give you hundreds and hundreds of instances where God has spoken a word to me, sometimes directly from Scripture. Sometimes as I meditate on Scripture, He'll take those same truths and principles and apply them to my life in a unique way. But God has spoken to me, and the Word of God has literally helped me to get out and walk on water. I'm not talking about physically walking on water, but I have walked in the supernatural. I have overcome things. I have seen the miraculous power of God. I've seen my son raised from the dead. I've seen my wife raised from the dead. I've seen multiple other people raised from the dead. I've seen blind eyes open, deaf ears open. Uh, You know, in the natural realm, I have seen the expansion of this ministry. We just added another major network And we were already reaching over 3 billion people on the planet on a daily basis. And now it's increased. We have multiple broadcasts and things. Uh, We are building a campus in Woodland Park, Colorado for a Bible college that is going to affect people's spirit, soul, and body. And I mean, it's just awesome what God's doing. There's been tens of millions of dollars come in in the last 12 years and we are able to do all of these things debt free and I'm telling you all of it's because I got a word from God and brothers and sisters I'm speaking to you that God wants to speak a word into your life and somebody says well I just don't have a word from God right here are millions of them And somebody said, oh, well, I don't want just something out of the Scriptures. I want God to speak something special to me. Why would God speak anything special to you? I know He can, and He does, and He has to me, and I'm not saying that God can't do it. But why would God give you a special word if you aren't heeding the written word that He's already given you? I personally believe that until you get to where you're acting on the words that are already written for us, Why would God give you other words to make you just more accountable? People died to put this Bible into the English language. People have sacrificed their life. This is one of the most precious things that God has ever given us outside of His own Son is the written Word, the living Word. And it's powerful what God has given us. And many people are just, you know, leaving this on their table, on their bedstead and asking God to speak to him. He's speaking loud and clear through the Word. You know, I can tell you that the vast majority of instruction I get from God comes directly through the written Word. Now, it's energized by the Holy Spirit. The Holy Spirit will take it, and I mean, I read some passages, and these things just explode on the inside of me. I don't know how to, you know, explain this to a person who's never experienced it. But there's a difference in just reading a book and, you know, maybe you get something out of it that's a little bit beneficial and reading the Word of God. The Bible says in Hebrews chapter 4 verse 12 that the Word of God is quick. That means alive and powerful, sharper than any two-edged sword, piercing even to the dividing asunder of soul and spirit and joint and marrow and is a discerner of the thoughts and the intent of the heart. God's Word is alive And it comes alive and God speaks to me. And when I get revelation of the Word of God, I apply this to my life and I tell you, I have seen the miraculous. I am 
I'm not a perfect example. I haven't arrived, but I've left. And I am seeing God do miracles in my life that I couldn't have seen before. Many of you have heard me talk about I was an introvert and couldn't look at a person in the face and talk to them. And now I talk to millions of people. The very fact that I'm on TV is a miracle. I'm walking on water. I'm doing something supernatural that I in myself couldn't do. And then the ministry to other people, seeing people's lives changed. There are people's lives being changed by the millions. Everywhere I go, people are just sharing with me about how God has touched them and their life has changed. We're seeing, we're seeing people raised up, leaders raised up that are being sent all over the world. We're building this Bible college campus that if the Lord tarries, it's going to last for generations. And awesome things are happening all because I got a word from God. Now see, I get that out of Matthew chapter 14. Peter asked permission to walk on the water and all Jesus did was say, come. And that was enough to defy the laws of nature and walk on the water. He had already given these disciples a word down here when he says, go to the other side. He didn't say go halfway and drown. He said, go to the other side. We need to analyze carefully what God is saying to us. You know, a friend of mine, he traveled a lot and he was headed overseas and I, I forgot the destination, but it was to some place. It was a third world country and it was potentially dangerous. And a person gave him a prophecy and says, you will go and talked about what he will do and you will come again. And this man took from that that he's going to go and come again. That was his assurance that he wasn't going to go over there and die in the process, but he was coming again. You need to analyze what God is saying. When God calls you to do something, He wouldn't call you to do these things unless it was going to happen. And you need to put faith in these words. There are some of you that are asking God to help you, but you don't have faith. Faith comes by hearing, hearing by the Word of God. Romans chapter 10, verse 17. You need to get into God's Word. And if you are facing a struggle, a storm in your life, and it looks like you're about to drown, you need a word. You need God to speak something to you. Ideally, you need that word before you even get into your problem so that you don't panic and, and go through these things. But if you are in a crisis situation, you ought to be having your nose in the word of God. You need to be seeking God's direction. And all it takes is one word from God for you to get up and overcome your problem. One idea, one impression from God can totally solve the problem that you're in. And the good news is that God wants to speak to you more than you want Him to speak. You just need to be still and let Him speak to you. You need to listen. One word from God carried enough power and anointing in it for Peter to walk on the water. Jesus, or let me say it this way. Peter did not walk on the water on his own. He was actually standing on the Word of God. He was standing on that Word that God gave him that said, Come. It was the Word that enabled him to do that. And it's the Word of God that's going to enable you to overcome your problems. You know, it could be something as simple as, By His stripes we were healed. 1 Peter 2.24 and there is enough power in that word to literally break the dominion of cancer, sugar diabetes, multiple sclerosis, ALS, anything that you want to name. It's in that word.
You know, I heard um, Reinhard Bonnke one time talking about a woman who came and rode a bus for, you know, a number of days to get to one of these mass crusades in Africa and then got off the bus and took a taxi to the edge of the field. And there was like, I don't know, hundreds of thousands, maybe a million people there. And this woman was crippled and had to literally get out of the taxi and drag herself to the very back of this thing, was propped up against a tree listening to Reinhard Bonnke preach. And when she heard that by his stripes we were healed, man, that just quickened faith on the inside of her. And she pulled herself up that tree and her legs received strength and she got healed. And Reinhardt had to quit preaching because people were so excited over this miraculous healing. And yet Reinhardt said that uh, he, har- he hardly ever gets to finish a message overseas like in Africa because people just start receiving the word and miracles happen and he has to accommodate them and people come and get healed and born again, etc. But he said in the United States, he seldom ever gets interrupted. And it's not because people don't have needs here, but we've gotten to where we're hardened and we don't receive the word. We don't put the same importance on the word and stuff. But this one woman, just one scripture came alive and boom, it was enough for her to be healed. Did you know that that one scripture is enough to get any person watching this program healed? By his stripes, you were healed. If you will believe it, if you'll act on it. But we just haven't put that much faith in the word. Peter took one word from Jesus and that's what enabled him to walk on this water. It was the Word of God. If Jesus hadn't have said come, if Jesus hadn't have released that power and anointing with His words, Peter couldn't have walked on the water. Likewise, you have to have a word from God. You have to take the Word of God and let the Holy Spirit make it come alive. And, and I'm telling you, He'll send His Word. Psalms 107.20, He sent His Word and healed them and delivered them from all their destructions. All you've got to do is just get one word from God, one idea from God, one divine inspiration from God is more than enough to change your life. I've seen multiple people who were struggling financially who prayed and God just gave them a word. One woman made clay and put it in little Ziploc bags and and became very wealthy as a result of that. Other people, they just get a word from God. God gives them one idea and boom, it changes their life forever. It's not hard. Whatever your situation is, all you need is a word from God. And the good news is God wants to speak that word to you more than you want to hear it. So we were dealing with that yesterday. It says in Matthew chapter 14, verse 29, and he said, come. And when Peter was come down out of the ship, He walked on the water to go to Jesus. Now we're going to talk about him walking on the water, but first of all, don't skip over these words. It says, and when Peter was come down out of the ship, he walked on the water. Before you can walk on the water, you got to get out of the boat. That is so simple, and yet this is profound. There are a lot of you who are wanting to see the miraculous power of God in your life, and yet you won't get out of the boat. You won't leave the relative safety of what is holding you up. 
And you've got to remember that Peter and these disciples, it was a, like a two-hour trip across this lake on a normal situation. They had been at it for at least eight, maybe 10 or 12 hours, and they were only halfway across. The wind was contrary to them. And it says over in uh, Mark's account, it says that the boat was now full of water. And so the boat, there was very little difference between being in the boat and being out of the boat. The boat was full of water. The boat was going to go down. It was going to sink if there wasn't a miracle. And yet, it was relative safety compared to just being out there in the water. You know, there is a direct application of this to us, that there's a lot of people that are wanting to see the miraculous power of God in their life, but they're afraid to get out of the relative safety of what everybody else is doing. You know, in my situation as a minister... I've got, uh, you know, peers, contemporaries, and there is, I don't know, it's like we have this herd mentality. It's like we're all sheep. It's like we're uh, cows or something, and we just, you know, all stick together, and whatever the average is doing, people just want to be like everybody else. They're afraid to stand out, and yet, if you'd be honest, everybody else isn't doing that well. I mean, there are people that are miserable. There are people that are discouraged. There are people that are struggling financially. And yet we have this desire to be like everybody else. Somehow or another, we want the security of the herd. And yet, Peter had to get out of the boat and leave that security of the boat and get out on the water. But again, if you would just look at it logically and not look at it emotionally and not look at it based on this herd instinct that we seem to be dominated by, if we just looked at it logically, there was very little difference between being in the boat and being out on the water. The boat was full of water. The boat was going to go down. Did you know actually when a boat sinks, you know, it actually sucks all the water around. As it goes down, it, it's kind of like it just draws you down in that same spiral, it's actually to your advantage if the boat is going down to get away from it so that you won't be sucked under. But there is this herd mentality. We just want the security. We want to be like everybody else. We're afraid to break the mold, and yet people aren't content. People aren't happy. What's the difference? You know what? It, It would be to your advantage to break the mold. I gave uh, examples earlier about I was raised a Baptist. I stayed in the Baptist church until I was 23, 24 years old. And when it was time for me to leave, I just had this, I, I don't know, I just had this fear about leaving what I was raised with. I, I had a fear about leaving the security. And yet, I wasn't content there. They were preaching that miracles passed away with the apostles, that speaking in tongues, the baptism of the Holy Spirit isn't of God. I'd already received those things. I was speaking in tongues. I was seeing things. It wasn't compatible what I was experiencing with what the Baptist church that I was brought up in was teaching. And it's, it, it was logical for me to leave. And yet I had this fear about just breaking away and doing something different. And I'm saying that many of you know that God has something more for you. You want to walk on the water. You want a supernatural life. You would love to see the miraculous power of God flowing in you and flowing through you to other people. And yet you're afraid to do something different. 
Before Peter walked on the water, he had to get out of that boat. Before you see the supernatural power of God manifest in your life, you're going to have to leave this security of wanting to be like everybody else, to be accepted by everybody else. And you're going to have to be willing to be different. You're going to have to get out of the boat. You're going to have to get out to where if God doesn't come through, you're done. It's over. You know, I personally like that. You can get, you can get addicted to walking by faith. You really can. You know, Paul talked about uh, the household of Stephanus, who, uh, uh, I think that was it, Stephanus, who had addicted themselves to the ministry of the saints. You can get addicted to good things, not just drugs and alcohol, but you can be addicted to godly things. And I personally have stepped out of the boat so many times. I have seen God come through and I have walked on water. I have walked in the supernatural so many times that it's actually addictive. I love it. I've gotten to where I don't want to be like everybody else. I have no desire to be like everybody else. You know, again, I've mentioned this often, but we God has laid on my heart. He's raised me up to start Karis Bible College. We're now into our 21st year of the Bible college. And God is having me raise up a Bible college campus. We've finished our first project there, which was a $32 million project. And we did it debt free. And I'm in the process of building the next thing, which is $53 million. And I'm going to do it debt free. And did you know that there is no guarantee in the natural that that's going to happen. It's only my faith and confidence in the Lord that is going to bring it to pass. And in the natural, it could be devastating. In the natural, I could be speaking things that I'm going to do it debt-free that would paint me into a corner and that would limit God. But I just love being out there. I love being out on the edge. A friend of mine says, if you aren't living on the edge, you're taking up too much space. You need to be out there on the edge. You need to be pushing the envelope. You need to get out of the boat. Don't be afraid of being different than everybody else. Everybody else is miserable. Everybody else is not doing anything that's significant. There's many people that are going to die and be gone and nobody's going to miss them. I don't say that to hurt people, but I'm just saying that most people are living things so uh, cautiously. They're living their life. They're they want to blend in. They don't want to stand out. They don't want to do anything that would be different. And I tell you that anybody can be the same. Anybody can just go with the herd. Anybody can follow along. But it takes a man or a woman of God, somebody with faith to make a difference. And I'm telling you if, you, if your life isn't supernatural, it's superficial. If you're just like everybody else, it's no good. You know, I was reading a quote by Ruth Graham the other day, and she was talking about marriage and said one of the things that really helped her was somebody told her that if you, if two people agree together on every single thing, then one of them is unnecessary. And she applied that to marriage, that you know what, there's room for differences in marriage. We balance each other and together we make a better couple than we do an individual. But the same thing is true in society. If you want to just be like everybody else, if you are going to be exactly like everybody else, then somebody is unnecessary. 
God needs you to be the individual that He called you to be. God needs you to step out of the boat and start trusting Him and believing Him for something that wouldn't happen otherwise. You know, I'm not saying these things to pat myself on the back, but I'm saying it to bless the Lord and to thank God for what He's done. But God has called me to do some things differently. Way back in the very beginning, He told me to quit secular school, which wound up getting me in trouble with friends and family, wound up costing me money. I got drafted. I sent to Vietnam. I could have died. It put me on a path that made a difference. I broke the mold, and yet God came through, and I've got testimonies. God led me to pastor three little churches, which was completely against what I was called to do in the natural, and I didn't do it through some denominational system. They were independent churches, and I went out, and we met in our home, and we did things differently than what other people did, and yet God blessed it and caused it to prosper. God called me to go on radio, which if I'd have been God, I wouldn't have chosen me, not with my voice. I have people contact us all the time and say, man, you sound like Gomer Pyle and stuff. If I was God, I wouldn't have chosen me, but this is what God told me to do. And I just started teaching the Word of God without all the smoke and mirrors. On our television program, I don't know if you've paid attention, but I mean within 10 seconds, I'm on here preaching the Word of God. We don't have all of the fancy stuff that some other people do. I'm not wearing a three-piece suit and walking back and forth. I'm sitting down. I have had literally hundreds of people tell me to my face, and I'm sure there's thousands, tens of thousands of people who have never spoken this to me, but I've had hundreds of people tell me that they saw me on television for years, and it was just boring, and they thought, you're just sitting there. You couldn't be anointed. You couldn't have anything decent to say. And for whatever reason, they just stopped and listened. I remember one lady wrote in and she said that she always turned the program when I came on, but one day she was shelling peas and she had her lap full of peas and the remote was over there and she couldn't reach it. And so after her favorite program was over, she just listened to me because she didn't want to empty her lap of peas and go over and get the remote. And when she started listening, God started speaking to her. You know what? I've broken the mold. We... This now, there are some programs where people sit down and talk. But when I started doing it, there was not another program. I think Charles Capps uh, sat at a desk, but he had three cameras going, and it was still different than, than my program. When we started this program, it was, it was completely outside of the box. But you know what? It's what I felt comfortable with. It's what I felt like God spoke to me about. And it has worked for me. And I'm just using all of these things as an example. You know, now God's got me building a Bible college. Our Bible college is different than other Bible colleges. I've actually had people come to our Bible college who graduated from cemetery, I mean seminary, and they had gone to school for four years and never opened the Bible. Never. They would read books about the Bible but they never opened the Bible itself. Man, in our school, it is a Bible school. It's based on the Word of God. You are going to get revelation from people that have had the Word of God working in their life. We are outside of the mold on that. And because of it, we are walking on the water. We are seeing God supernaturally supply. We are having people join with us who believe in what we're doing. We're raising up a system 
that right now we have over 5,000 people in our Caris Bible College system. When we complete our facilities and we have over 3,500 students on location, we will have over 15,000 people, maybe 20,000 people in the system. And we are changing people's lives and things are happening. But we had to get out of the boat. I had to do some things differently than what other people were doing. Again, if all we're doing is what everybody else is doing, somebody's unnecessary. You know, when I came on television, God led me to do it differently. He led me to teach on things differently. He led my my program is a different format than other people. If all I was going to do was be exactly like everybody else, what's the point in me being on television? You know what? You don't need to be afraid of being different. You don't need to be afraid of getting out of the boat. Before Peter walked on the water, he first of all had to get out of the boat. Before you see God's miraculous manifestation of His power in your life, you are going to have to do something different. I think it was Albert Einstein that said, it's a definition of insanity to do the same thing over and over and expect different results. You know, I use this logic all the time when encouraging people to come to our Bible college. We will have a service and I'll have, I'll have people raise their hand. If you didn't have financial problems, if you didn't have uh, restrictions on you about, you know, all these different things, if you just could do what you wanted to do, How many of you would come to Bible college? And we will have hundreds of people raise their hand. And then I'll say, all right, if that's what's in your heart, and if you are believing that there's something more, well, then do something. Come to Bible college. Sign up. Register. And yet the vast majority of those hundreds of people, there will be like 20 to 50 people that will actually make the step. But four or five times as many people will sit there and know that something needs to change. They have the desire for change. They feel that God is leading them in a direction, but they're afraid to get out of the boat. You aren't going to walk on water until you get out of the boat. You aren't going to see the miraculous power of God until you take that first step of faith. Man, that's important. That is so important. And yet people are just afraid to leave the security of the boat. This boat wasn't that secure. It was going down. Barring an intervention from God, they were done for. It was logical actually to get out of the boat. It, what was the difference? You were going to die if you didn't do it. It's like those four lepers at the city of Samaria. And they said, how long are we going to sit here until we die? If we stay here, we're going to die. If we go into the city, the famine's going to kill us. Let's go out to the enemy and the least or the worst that they could do is kill us. We're going to die anyway. And they took a chance. They risked something. And when they got out there, it turned out that they had their needs supplied. They became heroes. They became rich. All because somebody was willing to get out of the boat. Somebody was willing to do something different that had a potential risk with it, but it was going to work. I'm telling you, if you want to see God move in your life, you got to do something differently. You got to get out of the boat. Before you can walk on the water, it says that Peter came down out of the ship and then he walked on the water. You aren't going to walk on the water until you leave the security of that ship. 
You aren't going to see the miraculous power of God until you take a step of faith that puts you out there in a place where you need the miraculous power of God. It seems like most people are doing everything they can to get out of a position where they need God to come through. I'm doing just the opposite. I'm stepping out there. I'm so far out there that if God doesn't come through, I'm dead. I am believing for things that are so far beyond my ability that it cannot come to pass without God. And you know what? I'm walking on the water. I'm seeing the supernatural power of God hold me up in situations that in the natural, I shouldn't be able to do what I'm doing. And I'm telling you that these things I'm sharing with you are things that God has shared with me. I'm putting them to practice in my life and they're working. And the good news is they'll work for you if you will work them, if you will act on it. 